Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The weekly wrap on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. It's time now for our weekly wrap. Uh, and that's usually this time of the week where we take a look at the top headline. And for this week, it really is about the Shangri-La Dialogue, which is Asia's top security summit. It's going to return to Singapore this weekend. And what's interesting is it's been on hiatus for two years because of the pandemic. So times, right? This is usually, it usually happens this time of the year. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is scheduled to deliver a special virtual address at the dialogue tomorrow. Observers are also expecting the forum to shed light on the US and China's thinking and posture in relation to the region. So what else? can we expect from this year's dialogue? You know, how much catching up is there to do after a two-year hiatus? On the line with me this morning is Dylan Lowe, Assistant Professor, Public Policy and Global Affairs for Nanyang Technological University. Good morning, Prof. How are you? Good morning and good. Yeah. Uh, how are you? Not too bad, sir. Not too bad. And uh, it's going to be interesting, right? Like, you can just imagine tomorrow, these guys, they haven't met in... Oh, well, I guess they may mm. have met. But for the purposes of this dialogue, two-year hiatus, I mean, what are we expecting in the first couple of hours? A bit of a catch-up session as well, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, indeed. I expect to see greater intensity, more meetings packed into a shorter space of time, in the sense that countries and delegates are trying to make up for lost time. Because while the Shangri-La dialogue has paused for the past two years, geopolitics, international relations yeah. have underwent dramatic developments during this period of time, and there is yeah. much to discuss. Yeah, that's for sure. But it does push the narrative that things are returning back to normal. It does give a lot of confidence. Mm. Yes, I think so. And especially for Singapore, who is hosting the Shangri-La Dialogue. It yeah. marks an inflection point and a milestone of sorts in our own pandemic journey. Of course, for a virus that is so wildly, you wouldn't yeah. want to bet your house that we will forevermore live in a happy post-pandemic future. But I think there is a strong sense that we have seen the worst of it and we will only look forward here on. Yeah, we try our best and hope for the best as well. Okay, let's talk dynamics, Prof. Mm. The first face-to-face meeting between US and Chinese defense leaders, that's going to be interesting. Uh, It is certainly uh, one to look out for, and I think that's one of the key things to watch out for in the Shangri-La Dialogue. Although I'll be honest and say that I do not foresee the meetings producing anything substantive, and I think both parties are keen to downplay expectations as their respective media has been doing so, that this will resolve any of their broad differences. Of of course, this could very well be them under-promising and (laughs) over-delivering, but the most significant point for me is that this is a good start. Okay. Just to expand on that, there will be a few elephants in the room. One of it will be the Ukraine-Russia situation, uh, the crisis over there. We know that Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky will deliver a virtual address. How do you think this issue is going to be approached? The Ukrainian crisis will certainly be frequently referenced and, and is indeed a matter of grave concern to the national community. It should not and must not fade away as time passes. But I don't think that defense chiefs around the world will want this one single item to override the multiple items they have to grapple with, especially with the accumulated agenda the past two years have brought. So I do expect to also see overlapping visions of regional security, regional order, competing visions of regional order and security being articulated as well, Mm. together with the Ukrainian war. But there will be other pressing topics as well to consider together with the Ukrainian uh, war. Yeah, yeah. And usually, you know, whoever's the biggest leader in the room tends to get the most attention. I mean, you throw in the US Mm. and China, it it is a security dialogue. You can't help but think 
Taiwan. <laughs> I mean, the president, U.S. President Joe Biden, openly said that he would defend Taiwan military if China were to attack. I mean, you get that ahead of the dialogue. The topic of Taiwan, how will this be approached? I think that he has walked back a little bit on that comment. But you're absolutely right. I think there will be greater clarity. I'm sure the meetings between the defense heads of China and U.S., there will be some common ground that will solve at least some clarification of comments. But I do expect U.S.-China rivalry broadly, more broadly, rather than just Taiwan itself, okay. uh, to dominate proceedings. Uh, we have Defense Lloyd Austin's speech and subsequently followed by Chinese Defense Minister Wei from her speech as well. And I do expect quite a bit of back and forth, as has previous iterations have shown. But again, beyond U.S. China rivalry, which has been a mainstay of the Shangri-La dialogue. I think other topics will also emerge, especially in the post-pandemic landscape. Pandemic itself, I do want to see, and I expect the US, for example, to articulate its Indo-Pacific strategy a bit more clearly. I do want to see whether Chinese versions of its own regional order can be convincing and can be articulated, especially when it persists with a dynamic zero policy as well. I'm keeping a keen eye out on PM Kishida's speech, yeah. uh, Japan's keynote speech, because I think that all of the topics that we have touched upon, Ukrainian crisis, US-China rivalry, uh, regional vision, and so on and so forth, will be traveled along in the speech that he will be given. Uh, more importantly, or rather more interestingly to me, I, I think it will give us clues, gesturing to the role that Japan aspires to play in the region, especially as Tokyo continues to normalize its military. And I also think that there is appetite in the region for Japan to play a larger role. So it's uh, interesting for me to watch how this will be articulated. Mm, that's something that's been brewing for a while now. I know it is a security dialogue and you mentioned mm. broader issues with regard to the US-China rivalry. How much right. do you think the topic of tariffs will be brought up? Mm. Because earlier in the mm. week, it was suggested by Gina Ramando that they could be lifting some of the tariffs on China in order to fight inflation in the United States. Janet Yellen this morning is saying that she doesn't expect the US to go into recession, but they're still keeping tariffs on steel to protect that sector. Are you expecting anything or any developments in this area? I'm not too optimistic that, uh, <laughs> as I mentioned earlier, that anything substantive okay, will come okay. out. Of course, I'm hopeful to be surprised, but I do not expect anything substantive in that area to Mm, move along. Mm, mm. Fair enough. So at the end of the day, we've got to be very practical here. It, it is a starting point. It is a bit of a reset button post-pandemic and, and that's kind of managing expectations. Talking about expectations, yes. Prof, I mean, yes. North Korea and their latest barrage of mm. ballistic missile tests. Mm. How does this conversation go? I mean, would South Korea approach China on this matter? It feels like China's really going to be dominating the issues. Uh, I think so. And everyone will be watching out for the Chinese reactions to the slew of regional security-related questions and how they react or respond. Mm. I do not think that they will make a great deal of intervention into the matter of DPRK as a security issue, of DPRK as a nuclear threat. Even as there will be expectations, there will be some pressure, especially from the US, for China to react or China to play its role as responsible great power. And China will resist being painted in this particular way uh, as long as it can. And it certainly has the wherewithal to do so, as previous iterations of the Shangri-La dialogue has shown. I think what is more important for us is how and whether General Wei's speech will give us some clues as to how China seeks to exit and contribute to regional order convincingly in a post-pandemic world, whether or not it will signal 
uh, it's ready to move on away from dynamic mm. COVID zero. I think not, but we will wait and see. Mm, definitely. So this forum really, the expectation really is is on you know looking at the United States and China's thinking and posture in relation mm. to the region. And like I yeah. said, you know when you got the two biggest guys in the room, that's what everyone's uh, looking to follow the lead in that sense. Dylan Lowe, assistant professor, public policy and global affairs, Nanyang Technological University, on the line with me, Prof. I really appreciate your time this morning. You take care and stay safe. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm eight nine three or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.